It was 1999 and TiVo releases this brand new recording technology. It was way ahead of its time. It was the Netflix before Netflix was even a thing. Except they had one small problem. They didn't get the sales that they had anticipated they would have gotten. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what TiVo did wrong and what they could have done to make sure that this didn't happen. Okay, BJ, what is TiVo and why do we care about it? Yeah, so TiVo was a product that would allow people to pause live TV and rewind and all, all this other stuff just by being a sort of piece of tech that you plug into your computer and it would allow you to record the screen. It was probably the best product out there. It it, it would take your watch habits and then uh, automatically record certain episodes that they knew you would be interested in watching. Well, this was before Netflix came out and you just had access to any TV show at any time. But it was a fantastic product for its time. And it should have succeeded. But the reason why it's not a billion dollar company right now is that it had bad marketing. And by bad marketing, I don't mean that it didn't have an advertising budget. It didn't have a team working on that. That it didn't have celebrity endorsements. No, it definitely did. There's definitely a video you can find of Snoop Dogg saying that TiVo is the product to buy. What went yes. wrong is that they were solely focused on those features I just described. The re recording live TV, the rewinding, the pausing, the automatically recognizing your uh, view habits. They, they told you all about those features, all, all these technical details. But they didn't give the why you would want it. Why anyone should buy this product. Who should buy this product. What, what's its real purpose behind the company. And they could have done anything. They, they could have marketed it as this is a product for someone who likes control. Who doesn't like that live TV is sort of this uh, thing that they can't rewind and can't pause. But this product gives them that control. This product allows them to skip commercials. And so we're a company that believes that people should take control of their lives. And we just happen to make TV uh, this sort of, it's not a TV, but a this recording software that will uh, allow, allow you to take control of your life and skip ads and pause and rewind and do all this stuff. Instead, they did it backwards. They started with what they did their um, product and all its features and, and really didn't get into why they were doing that or why anyone should buy the product beyond getting access to those features. Because at the end of the day, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And this is what TiVo really missed out on. They were They became so consumed in marketing their product with what it was what it was good at and, and comparing it to a bunch of other companies and saying that specifically we're good because of of this feature that we have implemented and they got so carried away in the nitty-gritty of, of, of those components of their their product that they that they failed to share with the the consumer why they specifically need it and i mean we could talk about apple and I'm sure we're going to talk about them a lot in today's episode. 
But what Apple does really well at, or what they did really well at when Steve Jobs was around, was they told you, the consumer, why you need to buy an Apple product. You're going to buy an Apple product because you, as an individual, challenge the the status quo. You, as an individual, want to mold this world that we live in. You want to sculpt it. It's like clay. I mean, Steve Jobs is very famous for an interview where he, he talks about specifics like that and TiVo messed up because they weren't explaining why they do it and why you as a consumer need it without explaining the specifics which are the what right and, and we're not really talking about sales here like there are definitely tricks and best practices and little psychological things that you can do to get more sales you can have it say 1999 and then cross it out and put 12 even though the product was never priced at 1999 you just want to make it look like it was priced yeah. at 12. like there are plenty of little tricks like that there's you can be don't miss out uh 20% off you can do cashbacks and uh 120% guarantee if you don't like the product we'll send you all your money back and then some like there's all that stuff and that's very like that's helpful too that will get you sales but here we're talking about marketing we're talking about building a brand that will generate loyalty for years to come that even if you stopped selling um whatever product you're selling now and went into a completely different industry your customers would follow you into that industry because they believe in what you do in why you do it and to get that sort of loyalty you also need to be loyal to your audience. You need to have a specific audience, a specific customer in mind that represents specific values. And then you need to hold to those principles and not forget your why, which is when a lot of companies fail. And so by knowing your ideal target customer, this person who shares your values, who shares your why, that's how you're going to create a company that will generate that sort of loyalty. And then you, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter even if you have a worse product, like a lot of Apple products are. Uh, even if it's a worse product, you will still generate that loyalty just because that company is who it is. And another thing as well is getting people on your team that believe what you believe. There's a lot. There, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this concept. And you could talk about it in a lot of different contexts, but I think crafting the team, especially in the beginning, if we're going to talk about like small startups, getting a bunch of people on your team that believe exactly what you believe as the CEO, because when the company is very small, it's the CEO is pretty much just going to be the embodiment of the company's why. and assuming it is a small startup everybody on the team is going to be talking with the ceo on a daily basis or a weekly basis and so they pretty much have a clear idea of what the why is because it's what the ceo says it is right and as you become larger it can be, become a lot more difficult to get the the why out to 
the people at the very bottom of the company. And what you'll see is companies like Walmart that as time progresses, they they sort of become less popular and they lose sight of what their why was initially because, I mean, the, the CEO in Walmart left, right, because he passed away and people weren't able to see what the why was because he wasn't around anymore. Or in some cases, the CEO will leave the company like in Microsoft when, when Bill Gates left and they lose sight of what they were initially chasing to begin with. And you'll see a lot of harm with, with sales there, because I think we could talk about marketing a ton in this. I really think this is a marketing book more than anything else. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, who you do business with, like, but part of my definite definition of happiness is doing what I want with who I want to do it. Right. Having that control is so, so important. And I'm reminded of uh, two companies when talking about really hire people with your values. One is uh, Cody Aiden from our last episode, episode 10. He talks about at his company, Vibrant Management, they have, I think it was five core values. And that if someone didn't fit those values or they hired them and they didn't fit, they would get fired. One of those values was having fun. Imagine getting fired from your job because you weren't having enough, having enough fun. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's happened at vibrant management, but I think that it, having those values and holding your customers and um, your partners to that. And like, this is what we stand for. This is what we're willing to lose money on. Right. That, that's what I think really a list of values is, is this is the list of things that we care about that we'll, we're willing to lose money on. And that's exactly how uh, Rand Fishkin, the founder of Moz, the SEO company, he lays out, I think it was six values. Uh, and he, he said, this is the list of things we're willing to uh, lose money on. And being a SEO company that put, basically they have a number of services and then also software tools people can use to improve search rankings for their websites. And uh, one, one of his employees recommended, hey, if we say they only can delete their accounts, like the subscription with a phone call, rather than just clicking a button on the website, it would be, we would keep so many customers because a phone call takes so much work. And then they also have like answer questions about why they left. And like, we can reduce the number of customers. But one of the, or two of the values, I think one was transparency and the other was fun. And phone calls, and that sort of convoluted system of, oh, you got to call us to delete your account is not very transparent and it's not very fun to have to go through survey questions just to stop paying money, right? And so Randy Fishman was like, yes, we probably could make a lot more money if we did that. But we believe in these values and we're willing to lose money if it means holding to these values and sticking to why we do it. And doing that and finding uh, employees and people to work with share those values means that when they work for you, they're going to be pumped out up about coming to work. They're going to know that they're doing something important and significant and, and that really something good is happening in this company. And when they do that, they're going to treat your uh, customers better, right? Yeah, having happy employees is going to ensure that you have happy customers it 
you want to do your best as a CEO to trickle the why down as much as possible. And a lot of times CEOs are like, okay, the, the customer is our number one priority and you guys need to make sure that you're treating the, the customer right and they're doing their best to, to get that message out. But really what should be happening is the CEO should be treating the employees right and making sure that they're on the same track, that they have the same beliefs, that they have the same why. And if that is similar, right, they're probably going to be a lot more happy and, and, and psyched to go to work every day. And because of that, they're going to treat the customers just by nature a lot better. You're going to get a better customer experience as a result of being on the same page as the, the CEO of the company. In the book, he talks about it was like the like the megaphone almost. So you start at the very top with the Y and it's like a, a cone, like an upside down cone, like with the tip at the top with the Y and then the what and then the, the how essentially. And then that trickles down to your your customers at the very bottom. And so you as a CEO should just be focused at the very top with the internal your employees. And if you do a very good job, tri like getting it trickled down, the why trickled down to the people internally, it'll go out into the, the customers, right? Right. And that's not saying you can't have a policy or a standard for high customer service. That, yeah. that means if you really, really do care about customer service, hire people who like people. Like, <laughs> I think it was Southwest Airlines they had a very particular uniform that they just copied from another airline company, but that company also motivated like cheerleaders to be the ones to apply, which meant that they had people who were all about cheering on other people and making them happy, which is exactly what they wanted their customer yeah. service staff to be. And so it worked out really, really well. And so when, when you sort of get your employees treating your customers well, that's when you can start to transition really to become more than just whatever a company in whatever industry you're in, but a brand that actually stands for these values and that's reflected in everything they do. Whether they're making computers or um, flying planes or making cereal, if you can demonstrate those values across anything that you do, the that's going to build a brand and that brand will get people to do crazy, crazy things on behalf of it. Like Harley Davidson, it's just a motorcycle company. It just makes motorcycles, but they started with the why and they built this brand where Harley Davidson means something that people tattoo it on their bodies. Like it's just a logo. Yeah. It's, it's no different than like tattooing like a URL on like anything it's literally just a, a branding thing it's but it's been attached with so much meaning and so well recognized and that's been reflected in all their products and everything they do that when they that that logo gets put everywhere and that it's a massive massive brand that i mean i don't I don't know a single other motorcycle company. Like, honestly, I could not name one off the top of my head besides Harley Davidson. 
Like that's it's just crazy to think about how Yeah. And, and that's not saying yeah. that they, they have the best motorcycles. Like it's not they're not winning because they have an like awesome, awesome product, although I'm sure they might. I don't know anything about motorcycles. But what I do know is that if I see someone with Harley Davidson tattooed on them, I'm giving them a wide berth. That they've built a brand that sort of means that, that sort of independent, tough individual. And so that's it. And you can take and analyze like any brand and any company that is hitting or has dreams of hitting a trillion dollars. What sort of following do they attract? What 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 sort of values do they stand for? Um, any one of Musk's companies, it looks like a company that's doing impossible things. That that's more his personal brand, which is funny because Tesla doesn't spend any money on advertising, right? Yeah, and they built such a good brand. Despite them doing that. Yeah, no advertising, but a massive brand just because of what they do it so clearly demonstrates why they're doing it. It's a company. Yeah. yeah. And it all starts with Elon, really, like at, at the top, because he has such a clear why. Like he wakes up every morning because he wants to get us to Mars. Like that's pretty much his goal, like making a world a better place and getting us on a multi multi planet species that's his goal that's everything he does even in tesla is building towards that goal because you can't have a million people on mars without providing a million cars and you can't have a million cars if you're shipping oil to mars right so yeah and it, it's crazy the boeing company too having tunnels is very very useful for mars because we might have to live underground for a decent bit of time being <laughs> like the Boeing company is a joke company, but it still gives him time to learn those skills that might become very, very useful. And everything else he does, um, uh, Starlink, right, is the internet company. Uh, imagine if they can just send a, a thousand satellites to Mars and provide 5G full Wi-Fi everywhere on the planet before we even land, right? No communication issues ever yeah. to be concerned with. It's all every th single thing is just him working towards getting to Mars, becoming a multi-planetary species, and also inspiring people. Right? Yeah, that's like... that's a big thing he wants is for people to wake up feeling pumped about what humanity is going to, pumped about humanity's future, just in general. Yeah, like the brand that he's built for Tesla is so good to to the point where they'll he'll make random things like the flamethrower. I, I think that at one point they were selling like whiskey as well as like surfboards or something like that with the Tesla logo on it. And the brand they built is so good that they're able to make random products like that and they'll instantly sell out. And weren't you saying that he made some of those products to fund like the boring company or something like that? Yeah, or... So boring company had uh hats with the boeing company logo they were 50 bucks a piece they sold twenty thousand. that's a million bucks easy and they yeah. they sold instantly so like well that's a million let's try to get 10 million so how can we get 10 million oh five hundred dollar flamethrowers sell twenty thousand of those and they sold out in like four days so now there's just 
20,000 random people with flamethrowers, which... Tesla flamethrowers, right? Uh, Boeing Company flamethrowers, yeah. Okay. But so... And it's it's so cool. Yeah, and, and he's doing that without any marketing budget, without any advertising. There's no team managing all his social media accounts. In fact, I, I, I think he doesn't even have, so, like, personal social media beyond, like, a Twitter. Because, you know, he owns the company now. But... That, so how is he able to build a brand and build that loyalty without actually working towards it? And it's because he, in whoever he talks to, whether it's the media or just another professional in the space, he so clearly transmits why he's doing what he's doing. It's something that inspires people and people can get behind. And, and uh, whether it's, you know, in a, just a text a tech expo releasing a new product he's talking about what it means for the future of humanity and how the future trajectory of humanity is actually pretty positive and that we might not all die in a big explosion no we're going to go to different planets and we're going to be just fine and we're going to explore the galaxy and do great 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 things and so when you have that massive dream on top even new hires sort of feel inspired and this will help you with your hiring like having clearly transmitting your why will attract those same sort of people um th there was the endurance which uh, was a ship that left to go to the south pole and the advertisement for that was like terrible wages bitter cold slim chance of survival but honor and recognition uh, upon success and, and they still got a crew be and, and that crew managed to survive a horrible horrible exp expedition where they completely failed and had to go home in lifeboats but they still managed to survive because that ad got them survivors people who were willing to go through those terrible things and so and, and with an expedition that's fairly small that's direct uh, chief executive to employees or to the lowest employees with a larger company that's harder to do it's harder to get that direct voice but you should still be transmitting that down to everyone you work with everyone your um, employees your business connections your, your customers everyone should know your why and if you can success market your why like that it's more than more. It's legitimately just telling people why you're doing what you're doing and having a clear idea of what you want out of it. But if you can clearly transmit it, that's when you start building a brand. And transmitting can can be very difficult, like we were saying with with large companies. Transmitting that why down to the very bottom. That's not a very simple task, right? And as a CEO. You're the embodiment of that, and you need to be preaching that as much as humanly possible to get it down there. What you can do is you can stay small on purpose. We read the the book $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo, and that founder specifically was able to share us insights with how companies that he, he has talked with stayed small on purpose, right? They wanted to stay by themselves, just a one-man team. They didn't have any goal of expanding beyond that, right? 
And that's something that you, you really can do as an entrepreneur. You could stay small on purpose. And if you do stay small on purpose, I guarantee you, you're never really going to to lose sight of your why because you really are the embodiment of that why, right? You don't have to really tell it to anybody else, okay? And so that is an option for you, staying small on purpose to ensure that you don't run into this problem. But if you do want to get bigger, that is something you need to think about. What can I do as a CEO to make sure the people at the the bottom of the company, the people that I that I hired a week ago, are they on the same page as me? Because if they're not, then I don't I don't think you're going to be as successful in the end as a company. And this doesn't necessarily just apply to startups. I I think a lot of people want to become entrepreneurs, and I think if that's what you want to do, you should do it. But there's also a lot of opportunity with a regular career. And you can still apply a lot of these principles to a regular career. Like, uh, I was just, when you were talking, I was just thinking about, once again, Cody Aiden, our guest on our last episode. He mentioned uh, that he ran a, um, just like a cell phone kiosk early in his career. And he made sure that kiosk was the best in the region or whatever. Because he took whatever goal it was and... It was like just selling phones and he broke it down into manageable chunks where, okay, if we want to hit the top numbers, that means we got to sell, you know, three phones today, like in the next hour. And so if we have to sell three phones in the next hour, okay, then we need to talk to a hundred people. And that's our conversion rate that if we talk to a hundred people, we'll sell three phones. And so by doing that and breaking it down into smaller manageable chunks, uh, even when applying this to a regular job, you can represent a why for your company, even if that why is just, hey, we're here to sell cell phones. It's, it's hard to imagine a kiosk existing to do anything else besides selling cell phones. But he still clearly transmitted a why and empowered them and made them feel like what they were doing was important. It went from being like the worst one to being the best just because of what he was able to do in transmitting that why. And so when, when you... If you're considering, uh, uh, th that's an application for if you want to apply this to your career. But if you have a startup and you want to keep it small, that makes a lot of sense. And one one thing that can a, a lot of solo entrepreneurs don't do, but they can do, is raise their prices. Like it can be hard to think that oh, I have had these twenty four clients or twenty clients or ten or three whatever number of clients since I was at the beginning, since like day one, I've had this customer and, and they put their faith in me to provide a good service when I was completely unproven and, and they've stuck with me. And, and then it, it can feel wrong to raise those prices. I definitely can see how you would feel that way, but you, it, they also can't be totally okay with it. They can understand that your quality of services has improved in that time and you're worth more. And by raising prices, you're going to reduce the number of customers you have and it will be easier to manage even though it's might be as the same or even a higher income. You might not lose any customers even though you raise your price 20%, which means you got a lot more income. It doesn't help you in shrinking your cut company but then guess what you can do then raise prices again uh, until you see a drop-off raise your prices because then you know 
the value that you're providing and you can stay small by just providing a really high quality, high price service. And, and so if you feel your company is growing out of control and that you need to scale, you can scale back just by raising your prices. That's all it really takes. And maybe you raise your prices and nothing happens and you don't want to lose any clients. So you just divert that income towards additional help and additional automation, which is more to manage and you'll grow. But that might be what you want to do. You might love your company and you might want to be spending all your time managing it. And if you want to do that, then that's perfectly fine. It's just figuring out the best what to do for the why you're doing it, right? And transmitting that across. And so yeah. really success is defined however you want to define it. It's okay if you don't run a massive billion dollar company, you still can be a great entrepreneur just by sort of um, staying small and staying where you want to stay, where, where you feel successful. And at the end of the day, like BJ was saying, it's going to stem from what you define success as in the end. If you define success as staying small and, and providing as much value as you can by yourself, then then that's fine. Do that. And you can outsource as well to just keep it yourself. Talking about success, though, in the book, Simon talks about how he was at this convention and this entrepreneur convention, I should say. And the the person at the front on the stage asked everybody, how many of you guys believe that you have truly become successful and that you are 100% content with everything that you've done? And 80% of them didn't raise their hand, right? Only, only a fifth of them were able to say that through entrepreneurship, they were able to meet all their goals and fulfillment, right? And I believe he said 80% of them said that all their financial goals have been met, right? And they weren't, they, they didn't care about money anymore. They probably didn't need to work much for the rest of their life and they probably would have been fine. They were financially free at that point, yet they still hadn't found the success they initially thought they would have had by chasing what they did. And so you run into this problem, like what should I be chasing? What should I be doing in order to find fulfillment and success in the end? And I think the answer is really just going to stem from chasing your why and staying true to that, right? Like if you become rich by providing a bunch of value to the consumers out there and you knowing that you're providing a bunch of a bunch of value and that you're fulfilling all of the the goals that you set out to accomplish by making the lives of other people better i think in the end is is going to be great because i mean just because you became extremely rich doesn't necessarily mean that you provided a bunch of value I feel like I used to think that the more money you get, the more value you've created for society. But I don't I don't think that's true anymore. I think there's correlation between the two, but I don't think it's as clear cut as I used to think it was. And so you want to 
provide this value in the best way possible and, and tracking it sometimes can be extremely difficult, but providing that value, I think, and staying true to why you wake up every morning to do what you're trying to do in the end is going to bring you to that success. Right. And so if, if you can find a system tracking why you do what you do, not, not tracking what you do, because it's very easy to get plenty of vanity metrics for that. We're really tracking, if my goal is to help people, how can we track how much we helped people? If my goal is to uh, disrupt something, then how can we tell how much we've disrupted that? Those sort of metrics are very hard. It's very specific to your why. And so you have to know what your why is first, and then you can think about how can I track that why? And that's gonna be different for every company. But if you can figure out how to build a company that rewards pursuing that why, that will clearly translate that why across all their products, across all their advertisements, that everything they do reflects that why and calls back to that why. And it's not just about sales, it's about building that brand that supports those values in their why. Then that's how a company hits something truly remarkable where they don't have to worry about getting customers because they've established this really loyal customer base, this really loyal audience that will believe in everything they're doing and just simply believe in those values. And so when, when you, and that's how it scales. That's the compounding interest of this is that when you promote your why, you attract like-minded people who will support you in what you do. And, and th that connection will not be just a financial, oh, this is the best cost-benefit analysis. It will be a emotional, I believe in what this company stands for. I'm willing to lose money to support this company because I believe in what they believe. And so by raising... Uh, that sort of loyalty from an audience, you can build something that really scales, that really expands, and then everything else is always available. Like, as a small company, you really, really should double down on your why and focus. When you become a big company, you will often, it's hard not to lose sight of that why. If you can keep that why in mind, despite also using all these other manipulations and sale techniques to grow the company, if you can still hold sight to that why and keep those values in mind when building a company, that's really, really just good. That's that's when the best, biggest success is happening. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about, you know, we're not trying to espouse a particular set of values here. We're just saying it's a smart business decision to know why you started a business, to know why you're doing what you're doing and why anyone should care about your product. Because it's really what you want people to do. Care about what you're doing. And it's so impossible to do that. It's it's almost ridiculous to think that a founder could motivate employees to believe in their business uh, when it's not their company. But if they can find a way to provide for other people's wives, if um, you can incentivize other people's goal. Other people have their goals and desires and aspirations. And so if you can 
say find a way to make it where they can achieve their goals and aspirations through your company, whether this is employees or customers, if if you can make them believe that why you're doing what you're doing is so other people can fulfill their dreams and aspirations. That's the other half of this. Is that the you know why you're you're doing what you're doing, and that pr the best companies probably have part of their why is to help other people achieve their whys, because then everyone's like, throw money at this company, make it happen. Let me achieve my dreams. Take all my money. Let me achieve that success that I want. And, and employees will be the same way. I'll, I'll put in eighty hours a week. I'll put in a hundred hours a week. Just help me achieve my dreams, right? And so if you can build a company like that, if you can build a brand like that by keeping your why in mind, then that's, that's where you can achieve fantastic growth in a startup. And that's pretty much how to, to market a company and brand to the best of, of your ability. You really need to, to boil it down to why you wake up every morning, what makes you tick, and that really stems from starting with your why. Yeah. So this was our review of Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Uh, really hope you enjoyed it. If you stayed this long, we assume you did. And would love a comment yeah. or for you to subscribe so we can see your support. We, we love chatting with you guys. We we had an opportunity to, to reply to a couple comments. So we're very, very happy to see people appreciating our content. We work really hard to break down books to get the most practical tips, secrets to success, and distribute them to everyone so they can achieve their dreams. Um, again, thank you so, so much for watching, and we'll see you next week, Tuesday, 12 p.m. Don't be late.